As we well know by now, Titus chapter 2 is the Apostle Paul applying sound doctrine uh, to different uh, genders and ages within the church. Through sound doctrine, each group of men and women are to grow in holiness. For the aged man, uh, they are to be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity and patient. For the older woman, they are to have behaviour as becomes holiness. They're not to be false accusers, not given to wine, but teachers of good things. And the young women, uh, they are to live a life that is full of love, love for their husbands, love for their children, love for their home. They are to be discreet, chaste, good, uh, obedient to their husbands. And when they live like this, they honour and glorify God. But if they resist this and live contrary, then they blaspheme the word of God. But now we come to our fourth group within the church. Young men. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. In this group, I want to look at young men under three headings. One, young men's seriousness. Two, young men's example and doctrine. And three, young men's speech. First of all then, young men's seriousness. Now what does Paul mean here? mean here by young men well he means basically any young man up to the age of 40 there's a debate in exactly what that means uh, some take it as low as 12 uh, for for Jews uh, 12 13 depending on the era it began the bar mitzvah uh, they would be regarded as a man so if you're a young man and you turn 12 to 13 you're no longer a child, you're a young man, all the way up to their 40s or so. And so therefore, anyone who's in their 40s and younger, we fit into this group. Which means 12, 13 and upwards, this is what you are to be. Parents, what's your picture for your sons? Verse 6 to 8. Fathers, how can you be a good example to your sons? How can you instruct your sons? Verses 6 to 8. And here Paul begins this section with the word exhort. Young men likewise exhort. This is a present continuous command. So he says, I command you to do this at all times. The particular word has the idea of coming alongside someone 
and urging, commanding and admonishing them. And there's a particular thing he wants to exhort young men with. Sober-minded. Young men exhort, command continuously, admonish them daily to be sober-minded. Now this word is in the same family of words We've looked throughout this section. In verse 2, we have sober and grave. In verse 4, we have young women to be sober. In verse 5, discreet also comes from this family. And then in verse 7, later in doctrine, Gravity. So whether it's discretion, sober, grave, all these words are included in this command, sober-minded. And even though every age and gender is to be sober, grave, Paul uses both the imperative here, exhort, and the qualifying beginning at verse 7, in all things, saying, this is specifically for you, young men. In general, everyone should be sober. Everyone. But this is a special command, a special exhortation, a particular admonition daily for you, young men. Now, why is Paul saying there must be specific sober-mindedness with young men. It's because they lack it. Young men have strength and energy and vitality. And yet often they lack self-control and wisdom. There's a reason in nature we say young women grow up Faster than men. There's a reason why we say young women mature at a quicker rate. There's a reason why young women take life more serious than young men. Because men have a tendency to rely on their physical strength and vitality and they let their emotions and desires to run their course. And therefore, they need particular commands and exhortations to be sober-minded. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9, God mocks young men and then rebukes childishness. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Verse 10. 
for childhood and youth are vanity. See, young men, like I've already said, to repeat again, as it's important, full of physical strength, full of vitality, they just go after their heart's desires, what they see. They don't take the future serious. They don't look at death because I'm a young man. And God says, beware, because you're going to be judged for it. And acting and remaining a child or youth or immature or childish is not a good thing for a young man. Which means, young men, you need to fight the world's portraiture of the world's view of young men. If you look at TV and media and movies and the internet, how are young men portrayed? They're immature. They're childish. They're in their 30s. And they have a so-called man cave, but it's a wee boy's cave. Because everything in it is not a serious, mature man thinking of serious things, but it's the same things that a 10-year-old wants. The way men dress, I've noticed it. Where on TV, it doesn't matter where you were, you'd always see a man in a suit. And now you see it in a t-shirt, in a sweatshirt, in jeans, and so-called dress um, sneakers. What's a stereotypical 20s and 30s? Loves comic books. Spends hours on games consoles. Fantasy. Filling their life with things that an eight-year-old enjoys. And never moving on. And growing up. And because you're in the church does not mean you're incubated from that. And so when you look around the world and you're impressed. So that when you're in your 20s and 30s, you just have more ability to do what you wanted to do at eight years old. Because you have the money or the freedom because you work. And so Paul is saying to us today in 2024, there's a particular daily command, exhortation and admonition for young men. Be sober minded. I want to ask three questions regarding this and I'm spending most of the time on this because I think it's so important. What is sober mindedness? How can we be sober minded? And how can we live in a sober-minded manner? First of all, what is sober-mindedness? Sober-mindedness is a serious thinking man that produces a serious, sensible and orderly life. A sober-minded man is a serious-minded man that produces a serious, sensible and orderly life. It's very interesting. This word is used of the demoniac in Luke 8. Where it says in Luke 8.35, 
the man was found out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. It's the same word here. So when the demoniac was running around the graves, when he was hurting himself, when he was uncontrollable, he was out of his mind. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came to him and he cast those demons away, he was then in his right mind. And so young men, when you have serious thinking and you have serious, sensible, orderly life, you're in your right mind. But when you are not serious thinking and your life is not serious, sensible and orderly, then you are out of your minds. Which means soberness begins with seriousness. Seriousness. You're not frivolous. Life isn't a joke or about pleasure. You're serious about life. You're serious about God. You're serious about Christianity. You're serious about your family. You're serious about work. You're serious about the way you dress. You're serious about your leisure time. You're serious about entertainment. You're serious about hobbies. You're serious about time and energy and resources. You are serious. And whenever you preach a subject like this, people think that someone is a, quote, killjoy. And I wonder why so many people want to make that clarification. Because some people want to be serious and still be a clown. That's an oxymoron. You can't be. Someone who's serious and a Christian is Philippians 4.4, always rejoicing in the Lord. Someone who is born again in the kingdom of God, Romans 14.23, the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. But Christian joy isn't a clown or a jester. It's a serious joy. It's a joy that has gravitas and weightiness. So you will be joyful. You will be happy. And you'll always be serious. And because you're serious, your mind is active, thinking, contemplating, considering serious things. Young men today are thoughtless. Why is it that, especially in the public arena, young boys are failing in education? Not every single boy, I'm not talking about that. But there is shocking statistics out there about the education of the average young girl in America versus the average young boy in America. It's because their life is thoughtless and careless. They're not expected to talk about, think about, consider serious things. But when a a boy is in his teenage years, it's time to think seriously about life, about religion, about politics, 
about everything that matters. Because games consoles and sports don't matter. They really don't matter. If they're to go away, the world would be the better probably rather than the, the opposite. I'm not saying therefore sports are in and of themselves wrong. I'm not saying that. No one's arguing that here. But what I'm saying is, what really matters in life? What do you think about? What do you daydream about? What do you use your mental muscles for? For young men, it should be serious things. Because if we do that, the life will be orderly. The life will be orderly. Matthew Henry The young should be grave and solid in their deportment and manners, joining the seriousness of age with the liveliness and vigour of youth. This will make even those younger years to pass to good purpose and yield matter of comfortable reflection when the evil days come. It will be preventative of much sin and sorrow and lay the foundation for doing and enjoying such good. A young man with lots of strength gives his energy to learning about the Reformed faith. Gives his energy to read good Christian books. Gives himself to having a a, a job to earn a a small income to learn responsibility. Uh, A young man who doesn't wait for his parents to ask him to do something, but sees a need and serves to fill that need. A young man who's, who's thinking, well, I'm nowhere near ready for marriage now, but I'm going to get myself ready. I'm going to get myself ready of what is godliness, what is it to support a woman, what's it to be a loving husband. Now, think of my career. I don't want to just think about what I like to do. If I like to do something and there's a real opportunity to support a family, then by all means. But sometimes it means what I like to do is not really an option. Therefore, whatever gifts and callings God's given me, I'm going to take it seriously so I can provide for a family. That is to be every young man. Now, how can we be sober-minded? First of all, the grace of God. Look at verses 11 to 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. Same word, soberly. The grace of God enables young men to live soberly. Outside of the grace of God, we're in the flesh. We will use our strength for all our heart's desires. But then the grace of God comes. And the grace of God gives us full salvation in Jesus Christ. So that grace makes us serious about life. Why am I alive? Why am I on this planet What's my purpose? What's my motive? What's my goal? Grace reveals sin and how evil and wicked it is and worthy of punishment. And grace says Jesus Christ dies for sinners 
and freely pardons and sanctifies sinners. And someone who has tasted the graciousness of God, say whatever I do, whether it's simply having a meal and eating, or having a a drink of water, whatsoever I do in life, I do to the glory of God. And that glory, which in the Hebrew means weight, presses upon the mind of a young man and says, with my strength, with my energy, I want to serve God for his glory. And therefore, whatever lack of self-control, whatever uh, influences in the world, by the grace of God, I'm going to deny them. Deny them. And instead, I'm going to live soberly. Think seriously and live seriously. But secondly, the fear of God. The fear of God. In Proverbs chapter 1, and the whole book actually, is presented as a father to a son. A father to a son. And it says the father to the son, how he wants the son to live. He wants the son to live, um, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity. I want you to have subtlety. That's wisdom and skill. I want the young man to have knowledge and discretion. So Father, these are all the things I want you to have to the Son. Now how will that happen? Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. The fear of the Lord. And so when grace comes upon a young man... The man now knows whatsoever we do, whatsoever we do, we'll have to give an account on judgment day. And so if I'm wasting my life in vanity, I'm going to have to stand up before God and say, God, with the strength you gave me, with the mind you gave me, with the opportunities you gave me, I was acting like a child and I was in my 40s still. And the fear of the Lord will fill the young man to say, that's not what I truly desire. I truly desire to please my God and to be like these fatherly instructions. And the fear of the Lord is the emotive factor that will keep you in soberness. Then thirdly, the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 9, we probably know the words very well. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, or how can his ways be pure? By taking heed according to thy word. Taking heed, paying attention, the word of God. And so, by reading, studying, and filling your mind with the word of God, that will produce the life. Of soberness. Thirdly, how then are we to live? Begins by being serious. First Corinthians thirteen eleven. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. 
I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I think that verse needs to be on the the mantle or on the door of many men in this generation. When you're a child, you're going to be a child. But when you make into manhood, you need to put away childish things. Now, obviously, the expectation for a 13-year-old is different to a 23-year-old. So we're not saying here that 13-year-olds, they better start acting like a 40-year-old and put all that responsibility. We're not speaking about that. We're being wise. What is right for a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old is distinct from a 25-year-old. So we're not being foolish here. But when you start reaching 18, 19, 20, I absolutely apply this. Put away childish things and become a man. Think about your Bible and study your Bible and live out your Bible. Think about what's right and wrong now. Think about ethics and morality now. So that whenever they come up, you make the right God-honouring choices. Think about career and supporting a family. Think about what's good for a nation. Because we need people to grow up to be family men, church men and citizens. And if we make foolish decisions in any spheres, it affects the family, it affects the church, and it affects the nation. So we want young men to be aware of their responsibilities to think rightly about family, church, and nation. Be serious about your character. Your character. Matthew Henry again. Young men are apt... To be eager and hot, thoughtless and precipitant. Therefore, they must be earnestly called upon and exhorted to be considerate, not rash, advisable and submissive, not willful and headstrong, humble and mild, not haughty and proud. Work in your character, young men. Do you lack control with your emotions? Do you lack control with your anger? Do you lack control with covetousness? Do you lack control regarding what's best for self versus sibling or parent? (coughs) Are we living our lives in our homes towards wives or parents or siblings And it's all about me and not considering other people's needs. So young men begin early thinking, what are my character weaknesses? Go to the word of God that speaks about those particular weaknesses. Pray over them that God would give you the grace to grow in more godly character. And he will answer that prayer. And he will make you a godly, mature young man. Be serious about the clothes you wear. Dress appropriately for different things. But as you grow up, 
if we're our 30s and 40s and we're still dressing like we're 14 or 15, there's a problem. How can you take a 40-year-old seriously if he's basically dressing like a 10-year-old? Look at the world today. What do we do with our spare time, leisure time, whatever you want to call it? What can we do to fill our time in a God-honouring way? Bible reading and good books. Do you read your Bible, young men? I'm not asking, do you read your Bible when your wife is present only or when your mother or father's looking over your shoulder? I'm speaking about in your own time when you are responsible for your own uh, uh, ways, do you give yourself to Bible reading? Reading good books that's going to keep, teach you character and virtue or life skills. That's a profitable time. Books that are going to teach you life skills or practical skills. Hobbies and interests. There's a difference between hunting and fishing and carpentry and games consoles. All can be termed leisure time. But the ones I mentioned in the former have practical value. Rather than the latter, what value does it have? These are all practical ways in which to be sober-minded. Also, working hard. Working hard is a practical effect of sober-mindedness. Too many young men today are lazy. Lazy getting out of bed. Lazy finding or getting a job. Lazy in a job. Or coming home are lazy in the household. Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Young men, don't be like this. The modern lazy man. God's given us work. Work is good. Before the fall, before sin, God gave man to work. And it should be a sense of God-honouring joy when you are hard at work. Now, why am I pressing all this so much Because in the world and in the church, immaturity, childness, lightness is filling the church. I would commend Mr. Gavin Beer's uh, lecture to you, The Glory of Gravitas. If you just type that in on YouTube, you'll find it. The Glory of Gravitas. And you'll see that in the modern world and in the church, Lightness, childishness, immaturity is filling the world and filling the church 
and it hurts the church, it hurts the family, and it hurts the nation. And since it is such a prevalent problem, these things must be preached pointedly, clearly, and boldly. And I say that because I think when I was young, I was an immature, childish boy. Simple as. When I think of my youth, until I was converted, everything I've said, I was the opposite. Absolute opposite. And I still had residues of it as a young Christian, and I had to grow up and mature. But as a young man myself, and I'm not going to make excuses about not having a father in the home or, you know, the culture around me, still take responsibility, I acted the opposite to the positive things I've been saying, and it took me a long time to grow up. And, and I struggled with singleness in my 20s, as many young men do. But looking back, why did God have me single for such a long time? Because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And so we need a church full of young men who are sober, t- sober-minded, grave, serious, and have sensible orderly lives second of all the young man's example verse 7 in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works thyself here is speaking to Titus directly you Titus you're also a young man he's probably in his 20s and since you're in your 20s Titus Show thyself a pattern of good works. You need to be an example to the other young men of good works. This first of all means ministers are to be good examples to young men. So I'm applying this to myself here. So young men are going to be under the preaching and influence of ministers. And therefore, as most, not all ministers begin at a young age, 20s and 30s. You, Titus, you need to not only preach, but practice what you preach. So that you would be a good example for the young men to follow. And this is not just for Titus, even Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Which means it applies to me and every other minister. So I say what I say with soberness and gravity in the sense of I feel the weight of it. Which means I and every other minister need to act in a way outside of the pulpit that's dignified of the office of a minister, but is a good, healthy example to our young men. But secondly, if young men are to look to examples in general, there are to be good role models. Sometimes things are more caught than taught. Which means, young men, you need role models. And you have lots of role models. You think of the Bible. You have the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When our Lord Jesus Christ was 12 years old, 
it says that he grew and was strong in the spirit and filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And that was evidenced in that he was able to have a very good, mature conversation with the preachers of his day. He'd been in the temple and he was inquisitive. He was asking good theological questions and Bible questions. He wanted to learn and grow in the scriptures. You can learn from that. Remember, Jesus Christ is a true man. He wasn't born with full knowledge. He had to learn and grow just like a young boy. So you can learn of Jesus Christ and grow in wisdom by asking good questions to your parents, to family members, to other men in the congregation. You could follow Josiah's example, 2 Kings 22. Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father and turned not aside from the right hand to the left. Josiah didn't know there were certain sins in the land and then discovered Deuteronomy and then found out that lots of these Ashtaroth trees are sinful. So what did he do? He responded immediately to the word of God and tore down those trees. So you can learn from Josiah. Learn from the Bible. And when the Bible reveals something is sin, seek the grace of God, pray to the Lord, and seek to kill that sin. Or Daniel. Daniel 1.8. He was a teenager when he went to Babylon. And it says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So, there was the temptation of the world around him to eat foods and be in places that was not permissible for the Jews at the time. And Daniel said, no matter what, I'm going to be faithful to my God. As you grow up, teenage years, 20s and 30s, the world's going to want to allure you to defile yourself. And you can follow Daniel and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow the Saviour and not defile yourself and remain pure and unspotted from the world. Church history. You can read good biographies of Christians in the past and you can learn about how they were godly men and follow them. Your father, your father is living for the glory of God. He is a man trying to live as a godly man, as a husband, as a father, as a as a provider, as a protector, learn from your father. Ask him questions. Ask him to teach you the Bible and life skills and responsibility. I'm sure any father in this church would be absolutely thrilled with any son or any daughter who comes with these kinds of questions. So be an example. But then it says here, in doctrine... Showing uncorruptness, gravity and sincerity. I'll not press the point more than we already have. But young men need to know doctrine. Why? Because you're going to be the heads of houses. You're going to be the future deacons. You're going to be the future elders. You're going to be the future ministers. You're going to be the men in the church. And so there's a responsibility for men to know doctrine so don't 
live a life without doctrine. Take Spurgeon as your example here. Live in the Bible, visit good books. Young men don't reverse that. Young men do not live in books and visit the Bible. Live in the Bible, visit good books. Don't be one of those young men who read a lot of books and hardly know their Bibles. Live in the Bible, visit good books. So everything's about habit, isn't it? Habit and discipline. And if you're a young man at 12, 13, 14 years old and you find yourself in a daily habit, oh, that's going to bless you for another 80 years if the Lord wills that age. One of the hardest things in the Christian life, whether you're 10 or 90, is Bible reading and prayer. But if you're young and you find a joy and a discipline and a consistency in Bible reading and prayer, you've got the basics, you've got the fundamentals. You're going to prosper your whole life. So right now, young men, number one, read, study your Bible every single day. Get into the habit. And then visit good books. Ask your parents, ask family members, ask anyone you know who's a good reader. What good books can I read to grow in these areas? Read them slowly. Don't feel the rush. Like in the church, in the reformed church, everyone's talking about books. I'm guilty of it as the next person. And you feel the pressure you need to read all these books. Forget that. One book at a time, slowly and thinkingly is better than reading fast. Live in the Bible, visit good books, and your doctrine will be verse 7. Finally, the young man's speech, verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil things to save you. Paul here is saying there are people who are opposed to you. That will either be complete unbelievers outside of the church or the false teachers within the church. They oppose you. When your speech is sinful or rash or wrong, then they can point to your language and accuse you of things. But when you have sound speech cannot be condemned, which means above reproach. They will oppose you. They may say things about you, but your speech is sound. Therefore, it's proven false. This is one area I struggled in as youth. Young man, full of zeal, full of passion. You say the things at the wrong time. You say the right things in the wrong way. And so young men say the wrong things at the wrong time. Rather than Paul is saying, have sound, healthy, sober speech. Control the tongue. One of the hardest things to do in the Bible, James chapter 3. So when you are passionate and zealous, control the mind. Think before you speak is a very wise proverb. 
Is it right to speak now or should I not speak and leave it completely or leave it to later? If I am to speak, what are the right words and what is the right tone? These are all easier said than done, I admit. But young men, Paul was saying, by the grace of God, controlling your mind, have sound speech so that it's blameless and above reproach and those who oppose you as a Christian cannot finger point you and lay charges against you because of what you said. It's a very, very hard thing to do. But that's where we need to remember every word, as Jesus says, every idle word will be given an account on the day of judgment. So that in the times when you're about to speak, ask those questions. Is it the right time or not? Shall I leave it completely or leave it till later? If I am to speak, what's the right words and the right tone? And if we all had those practical methods in our tongue, we'd all be a little bit better off. But by the grace of God, you can do this. There's the encouragement. By the grace of God, you can. Because many people who had unsound speech in their youth have learned and grown and at least are doing much, much better and show more wisdom. So young men... Be godly young men with the grace of God teaching you to live soberly. Be serious about life. Be serious with joy. Live a serious, sensible, orderly life. Learn from good examples. Be a good example. And have sound speech that's blameless and the opposers cannot accuse you. And the final group next week is slaves. We'll look at that next time. Let's pray. (coughs) Our Father in heaven, we're in such a need for godly young men. We need husbands and fathers and deacons and elders and ministers. And Lord, the spirit of the age is all around us. Help us by thy grace to be disciplined to deny worldly lusts and ungodly lusts and to live soberly. Father, we all feel we come short and we need thy son to forgive us and we need thy Holy Spirit daily to quicken us to this duty. In the Saviour's name, amen. Let us conclude. We're singing that psalm, Psalm 119, 9 to 16. Psalm 119, 9 to 16. Singing to the tune Petersham, uh, tune number 154. By what means shall a young man learn his way to purify? If he, according to thy word, thereto attentive be. Let us pray, God, for this to be a reality in all of us who are young men. Standing, if we're able, let us praise.